You are listening to the Noisy Narratives podcast, a podcast produced by the Women of First Ministries at Frisco First Baptist Church in Frisco, Texas. Here at Noisy Narratives, we like to cut through the noise of our stories and get to the heart of what really matters. We hope you are blessed by what we share. Thank you so much for listening. Isn't it amazing? everyone. Welcome to Noisy Narratives. This is Debbie and I'm here with Christy and we have special guests today that yeah we've been trying to get for a long time so we're excited to have them. But um, Christy you're starting us off. So I'm I had surprise, a- I have no idea what we're about to talk about. <laughs> I have trusted you with this. Uh-huh. Like you do every time and I'm true. very thankful for it but I gave her a spoiler alert that it's there's not much content to it. It's kind of trash talk. So <laughs> Do you feel like, let's see, I can word this well. I'm a little nervous. My palms are getting (laughs) sweaty. Yeah. So I have been, um, this weekend we had a volleyball tournament. So I've been at different locations this week and I have been in lots of different bathrooms, public restrooms. Is there a public restroom etiquette? Meaning you're in a stall. Are you allowed to talk to the person next to you or do you not talk to them? Even if you know, let's say you're at work. And you have somebody and you're like, I know she's two stalls down. Do we acknowledge that she's in the stall or do we not? Okay, so. See, this is, <laughs> this not, is actually funny. This is not this that nerve wracking, no. but it is like there's no good there meat is, to this This is totally a girl conversation, right? This is totally a female thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's somebody I know, like actually I just did it this morning. I'll just say like we were getting mm-hmm. ready for a VBS director meeting and Cindy's in the stall and I'm in the stall. And I'm like, hey, Cindy, did you remember to, you know, when we're mm-hmm. doing our business? So that like happens with us, kind of our team all mm-hmm. the time. Now, if I'm in a place... And I don't know someone. No, I'm not talking to him. Not even a little. Unless I'm like, hey, I'm desperate. I need toilet paper. <laughs> and then no. you, you pass and it then, underneath the stall yes, and you say thank you. And exactly. Like something like that. But, okay, but what even about like an acquaintance? And it's not a work, but you go into a stall. No. Still no. I'm not. I'm not talking. If it's somebody uh-huh. I only know a little, I'm not talking while we're going to the bathroom. Really. Okay. Unless it's a conversation we've started and we're walking into the bathroom. That's good. No, that totally makes sense. And then we're sitting, we're still, the convert conversation talking. is still going. Yes. Then yes, that, that will happen. I think restroom is so I'm so interested so to hear gross. why this came up on your Well, no, then I have brain. another question though. So let's say, um, shoot, I just lost my train of thought. So you want to know why I thought of this is because I was in a restroom and there is somebody I knew in the first stall, but they didn't say hi to me. So I didn't say hi to them, but I saw their shoes and I was like, Oh, that's so-and-so. But then I was like, what if they're doing number two? Yeah. And they don't want to be acknowledged. Like <laughs> I would agree with that. So I would then agree I panicked. processing that different. I know. And I was like, well, I'm not going to say hi. Cause what? Like that's very uncomfortable. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if you're anybody in a workplace, you never go number two in the normal bathroom that you go in. You go find like the fifth floor yes. or the one in the kids, right? right? Or you just hold it till you get home. I go to a part of the building nobody else is going to be in for that's the day. Right. Anyway, that's all. It was just my bathroom etiquette talk on that conversation. So then, do you think do people get their feelings? Oh, this hurt? is my question. Okay, go. okay here we go. Great. Let's say <laughs> that you, you hear other people talking and having a conversation yes. in the restroom. Yeah. And you walk in, public restroom, and they're talking. Does that make you uncomfortable? Or are you kind of like, oh, no big deal? It doesn't make me uncomfortable at all. I now, find that horribly uncomfortable. To really? listen to two people's conversation. <laughs> why? Tell me why. Potty. Tell me why. Well, number one, there's a wall between them. Or maybe three little miniature walls. Yeah. 
I don't want to hear the whole conversation. It's like people walking around with their cell phones on speakerphone. Stop it. Put the phone on your ear. We don't want to hear your whole that's conversation. That's so interesting that I that so bothers you. That's a pet peeve of mine. Wow. Bother, see, it our guest says it bothers her too. <laughs> see, I my thing is I'm listening and I just find their conversation fascinating. I don't care who it is. I'm listening so to what they're lean, saying. So you lean in and kind oh, of be like, I want to know what they're saying. What Mom now, said. if I don't know them, I'm not engaging in the conversation. But if I know him, I may just pipe in my little own opinion too. Really? <laughs> what yeah, about speakerphone people talking on speakerphone in the grocery store? That is annoying to me. But I, again, I'll just listen to the conversation. Like, what are they talking about? If they're talking about this in public, they must not care. It drives me bonkers. I find it almost rude. Mm-hmm. Not almost. I'll be honest. I find it rude. I find it absolutely rude. That is so funny. Because you're walking around in like a, let's just say we go to Dillard's. Okay, Kim, like, really. Like everyone wants to hear the conversation that you're having on speakerphone. Yeah, yeah there's So are you an extrovert so, or introvert? Yeah. I am definitely more introverted. I like people, but I'm definitely more introverted. And Christy's more introverted. So Maybe my thing is, why. I'm a total extrovert. So anytime there's a conversation to hear, I'm all in. You're like, woohoo, I am all in. That makes sense. (laughs) I wonder if there's a difference because like, it's almost like somebody's encroaching on your individual time a little bit because you're at the grocery store by yourself. You're in the bathroom by yourself. Like you don't want Mm -hmm. outside I don't mind talking to our guest that's coming on if we're in the bathroom at the same time. Because you know them. I know them. But random people. But random people. But what if you were in the potty before me? I might talking. say it depends on our relationship. I would do it to your sister in a heartbeat. I would have no problem with that. Well, and yeah. you too. Yeah. I would talk to y'all. But there's probably some people that'd be like, I don't know. We're, we're not at that level in our friendship yet. <laughs> so like, it is so bad for me. I will say like, I will hear a conversation going on and I'll totally like participate sometimes. And someone looks at me like, we don't know you. What the heck are you doing? Like get out of our conversation. Daddy, you do not. <laughs> do you really? Like it has happened to me, like in the grocery store line, like two people are talking and, and I'll just go, Hey, I think, and I'll get in the middle of their thing. No, and sometimes no, people laugh and it. think it's the funniest thing. And other p- times people seriously have given me dirty looks. I'm like, Oh yeah, I should not have interrupted them. <laughs> I'll, I'll interrupt. That was not a good idea. Did I say that out loud? Oh, I said my thoughts Oops, out loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my God. That's so great. What are you going to say? I'll interrupt if like if i'm at a store and there's somebody that's looking for something and people don't know where it is mm-hmm. and i've either being just seen it because i feel right. like it's right. wrong to not say absolutely hey, i'm sorry to interject for sure yeah i feel like it's almost rude to mm-hmm. yeah um especially when they're asking somebody that works at the store and they don't know where it is either mm-hmm. yeah. i feel like well, i could save you some time yes but yep. i'll do that. that i love it when a kid or parent is scolding a kid and i'll be like yeah mom you go like mm-hmm. i got the mom's back that's probably pretty much the any time that I will interject. You really interject in conversation. We it's need to dwell on this terrible. for just a minute. <laughs> I so honestly, people will be talking funny. and then you'll be like, oh, my, I have a thought. I'm, like, I'm going to say it. Yeah. Like, and it's weird because I don't even realize. Do you have an inner struggle of do it, don't do it? Like now I do. In the, now I do in the sense of I know like that's a little you've got enough dirty looks that you, you're like I should and stop. And it's been worse since COVID. I will tell you too. Worse like, in what way? In other words. Before COVID, I felt like you could do that more and people didn't care. Like people actually thought it was funny, like or something. Mm -hmm. Now people like the space thing and the, this Mm is my, like, no, leave me alone thing is so much more of a big deal. Mm -hmm. I have noticed the dirty looks have increased. So I don't Mm -hmm. do it as often because I do Mm -hmm. kind of consider it more, but there will be times, literally, I am just like, 
it just comes out. Like, I don't even think about it. <laughs> like, everybody is my friend. And so it's like I'm talking. And my mom said so I was great. like that even when I was little. She said we would go somewhere like a restaurant and she always had to worry about it and see my daughter's like my middle ones like me like okay. that like we always have they always had to worry about me because I would start up a conversation with someone else and go and like go to their table like with them like we'd be in line <laughs> you would physically and I would start go and I would just follow them oh. to their just keep talking like you never met a stranger it makes so, me cringe yes. inside yes. Yes. <laughs> for her but she's yeah. no problem but we're all like Debbie that's so don't do that she's like I'll so Here my middle daughter we almost lost her at SeaWorld because I'm literally strapping in my youngest. I turn, she's gone. And I'm like looking around, she's nowhere. I'm like, Jamie. And we're with my brother and their cousins or whatever. So my brother, me and my sister-in-law stay with the little kids. My brother and Jamie go around the dolphin tank, which we were all at. Mm. Keep going, keep going, keep going. She's all the way. My husband finally finds her talking to a little boy walking out with their family. She's all the way oh almost to the exit of the whole dolphin area oh, wow. to walk out with them. And like everybody around just thought she was part of that family. And then that family thought she was part of another family that was walking out with them. So we figured out with her. We had whenever we went anywhere, one of us had the bookends, Joel and Bella, and one of us had. Alexa, mm-hmm. because she <laughs> would talk to anybody mm-hmm. and just like in a store, mm-hmm. in a wherever. And I was like, yeah, that's my fault. Totally my fault. <laughs> this is good. See, this ended up being great. I don't notice it so much like when people, when other people do it. I, it's just me. I don't have the urge to do it. Mm-hmm. It does drive me bonkers when people are talking on their phone, though. Like, I have- on speakerphone. on speakerphone i have a story that connects like both sides together the bathroom and like the talking to strangers mm-hmm. okay Last... so let's introduce them then we want okay, that story okay go for it christy introduce okay. so we have a mother daughter du- duo with us today which we've never had four so this is going to be yes. interesting so except apologize. for the cops the the, the oh the catfish the cops. catfish that's cops. right i forgot yep. about that so we've got kim hartfield and kennedy hartfield and um they're going to tell us kim is here as the mother but we're going to talk mostly to kennedy about kind of her journey, her health journey. Would you call it a health journey? Yes, that's a health accurate. Journey. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because I remember when all this happened. What grade were you in when this happened? Uh, seventh grade. Seventh grade. So mm-hmm. I'm good friends with kind of your best buddy, and we would get with updates. Kim's best buddy. We Kim's have to, best they buddy. They cannot see your face. <laughs> on my pen. I'm pointing <laughs> they to my left. See us. That's we are Kim. not on YouTube, Christy. Across <laughs> is Kennedy. But we would get updates. Kim would share with a friend and then the friend would share with us on how to pray for you during your time. And so this is really fun to sit here, kind of a full circle moment. Mm -hmm. Because I've never heard your story, but I have, I feel like I was a part of it for a long time. Like she's still on the couch. She's still on the couch. We're concerned because she can't get off the couch. She's gone to the doctor's office and things like that. Yes. So Kennedy is now going to connect the stories of talking on the phone and the the potty story. Speaking of full circle. (laughs) Yeah. So do do that and then we'll get into your story. But tell us. Okay. So last night I was out at dinner um, and I had gone to the restroom and a mother and her son were in there and it was like, it was like a little boy. And I had gone into one of the stalls because he was washing his hands after and he goes, mommy, why is, why is he going to the bathroom? And I was like, he, but she was, he called you a he? Yes. (laughs) And she was like, shh. She was like, I'm so sorry. And I was, and I was laughing and I was like, no, 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 it's totally fine. I have little cousins. Like it doesn't bother me at all. (laughs) I was just like, this is that never had that experience before, Mm -hmm. but now I can check it off my bucket list. (laughs) Well, that's a whole nother conversation. Taking kids into the restroom and things they say when you're in Mm -hmm. the potty. 
or they want to open the door or look under the yes yeah. so, okay kennedy tell us about you're a senior this year you're graduating yes congratulations I am. you're off Thank to you. a&m yes very Whoop. excited you can I'm, join my oldest there i'm Fabulous. so so excited yes. to go i can are see you and Maggie. kim as i pointed yes. kim are you and your husband both peggies or just no, you just me where did, did he go to Baylor? He went to Baylor. Okay, that's mm-hmm. right. Okay, very cool. Okay, so seventh grade, sixth yes. grade, seventh grade. Right. You, something starts changing. Yes. So in the middle of my seventh grade year, it was a little over a month since I had turned 13. Um, I had had a sleepover with my friends on a Friday night. And then the next morning I woke up and I was sick. My stomach was super upset. I had a lot of stomach issues Mm -hmm. and I was like oh like I've always had issues with my stomach but nothing too severe and so I just kind of passed it off as that um and then I it went on like that for about a week and I was super super sick where I just like I couldn't I couldn't get up off the couch and that went on for 10 days and then it didn't get better from there. I started to develop other symptoms where I was really tired. I couldn't get up very easily. I didn't have an appetite. I couldn't, like, nothing nothing sounded good for me to eat. I was losing a lot of weight. Um, I, think I, I think I lost almost 20 pounds in the first couple of weeks, which was honestly really scary because I'm, I'm already 20 pretty pounds thin. in two weeks yes wow yes because you can't keep anything in right so as this is happening what's going through your mind Kim what's going through your mind for well, these couple weeks at first I just thought you know oh she's got a stomach virus or you know all the normal things that you think about and then when it wasn't going away you know I called the pediatrician and it was during flu season so you know they didn't necessarily want her to come in because they didn't want her to catch something else if she didn't have the flu. So they just kind of wanted her to ride it out at home and then it just wasn't getting better. And so then after a certain point of all the things that would be, you know, quote normal, not panning out, um, then I started to get worried like, okay, what's wrong with my kid? We'll, but at the same time, we'll, we'll figure this out, you know, but Mm -hmm. we'll take her to the doctor. We'll figure it out. And it just wasn't that easy. So it was, it was kind of scary in the beginning, but not too scary. Just, you know, you just think like, surely there's some kind of answer, some kind of easy fix. Mm -hmm. And that's not always the case. Mm -mm. That's true. Yeah. Um, So after a couple weeks, you've lost this large amount of weight. Yes. And then when I finally got to a point where I wasn't constantly losing weight, I couldn't gain it back. I wasn't... I still wasn't able to eat a lot. I only I was basically eating just bagels and toast and that was it. And it was not, it was you couldn't get off the this is what you eat after you've thrown up for 3 days food. You right, had to exactly. keep on that you couldn't add, add anything with any real nutrients. Exactly. Right. Right. And, and you still can't get off the couch. Right. I was I so was lethargic to yes, say the least. I was like I would go to sleep. I would I would walk upstairs and that was like the most energy I had in a day was to walk up and down the stairs once to go to bed and once to come downstairs. And when I would go upstairs to go to bed, it would take me a long time to fall asleep and then I wouldn't sleep well and then I would wake up in the morning and I felt somehow more tired than when I had gone to bed the night before. And so then it was just like that process repeating and building on each other building on each other each day. And so that was 
exhausting mentally and physically, but I was bored out of my mind because I'm the type of person that likes to be doing stuff. And I was in school at that time. Like I wanted, I wanted, I enjoy school. So I wanted to be there. I wanted to see my friends and I just wasn't able to do that. And so that was super, super difficult mentally because I just, I just wanted to be a normal teenager. Like I had just turned 13. I wanted that normal teenager experience. Um, and so that was incredibly difficult for me. And I was honestly, I was very bitter at that point. Um, even though it hadn't been going on for a super long time, I was just, there wasn't really an end in sight for me. And so it was really difficult for me to not be just angry and bitter about my situation. Mm. So you're saying this has gone on for three weeks, four weeks of just, or longer? I mean, at that point, time had started to kind of blur together. I mean, for, so for, I got sick in January and over the next what five six months it was kind of the same it was we you met early on with um a gi doctor and started the process of running you know test after test after test to rule things out see what looked normal see what didn't and everything was coming back normal and you know all those things take time to run the test get the result try something new then you have to make another try, appointment with yes, another try yes. different medications mm-hmm. you give it enough time to try to work mm-hmm. you know all those kinds of things rule everything out so I mean it took months um and then it was just a process of elimination mm-hmm. and I mean her her pediatrician was great her GI doctor was fabulous um but it was just a long process I mean it took us until you know probably the end of the summer to really kind of figure out by process of elimination what might be wrong with you and it was it was just trying to keep let her keep her sanity and Mm. and you know make it through the day and try to stay positive in that process of just being constantly defeated I think right and what was it like to work with your teachers and everything when you're sick and getting schoolwork and assignments and so yeah. at that point I when I first got sick for that first week I was like oh I'll be fine soon I'll go back to school I'll just have to do a lot of makeup work and then like real fast though mm-hmm. you don't seem like the typical kid in the sense of you'd be like party on I don't have to do it no big deal. You seem no. like you like <laughs> absolutely responsible not. for it. So this is weighing on you. Yes. Okay. That for was sure. that was a lot for me because yeah. I was like, the more days I'm out of school, that just that's more work that I'm gonna have mm-hmm. to make up. And I like I said, I genuinely enjoyed school, so I didn't like missing it. And so I was like, you know what? I'll I'll go back when I go back when I get better and I'll just make up that work. And then that kind of turned into a couple of weeks and I was like um, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do at this point. So I was, I wasn't doing any schoolwork. And one of my teachers, my, um, my English teacher, she had decided that she was going to learn all of my material for my other classes. And she came over to our house and tutored me to help oh me gosh. finish out the semester. So they didn't have Shout a homebound teacher. West. Yeah, she <laughs> they didn't have good. a homebound teacher. They didn't have one set up, and so she volunteered to do it. And so she would go to math tutoring before school and get Kennedy's math teacher to teach her, mm-hmm. or you know, tr- attempt to teach her. And then she would come over 
you know, a couple times a week and basically, you know, help her get help her, her, get her schoolwork yes. done. And that's how wow. she finished out the year. Mm-hmm. And they wow. were that way. They were very simplified assignments because I had no energy whatsoever. I, I, I had a really mm-hmm. hard time focusing because I was just so focused on what I was feeling and how tired I constantly mm-hmm. was. And so I will say they were very simplified assignments. Um, but I still, I appreciated that so much because that took off some of the stress that I was feeling from the situation and kind of made me feel better about like, oh, I, I can still finish out the year. Like, mm-hmm. yes, it won't be the same, but at least I won't be necessarily behind when I start next year. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was very, very important for me because I, I just wanted to finish out the year so I wouldn't be behind. So end of your seventh grade year yes. is when this is happening. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah. Middle school. Yes. Yeah, that's right. I forgot we were way back there. At mm-hmm. least though it happened during middle school because your right. workload doesn't affect your transcripts. Exactly. Kind of right. Thing. So that's right. Nice. Exactly. I mean, all things considered, it mm-hmm. happened. It was better that it happened in middle school. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was really nice at times because people would send me stuff like after several weeks of not being in school, like I, w- I was in band at that point. My band friends would send me cards and they would they would say like get well soon and they they signed all my they they all signed my yearbook at the end of the year and it was just like that's sweet I had that community even though I wasn't there with them because I loved being in band mm-hmm. but I couldn't play because I mm-hmm. I just physically couldn't do that and so that was really difficult for me but I would have friends that would come and visit me every once in a while just to kind of cheer me up mm-hmm. or at least attempt to um, and so I'm I very much appreciate that community that I had at that time because I couldn't really, I couldn't see anybody all the time. <laughs> Good. Oh man. Mm-hmm. So you're, so what, how do we get to the diagnosis? Take us down that path. So I, I was mainly focused on my GI or stomach symptoms. Mm-hmm. Meaning like anything you put in, you couldn't keep in your body. Basically. Yeah. Yes. I mean, a simpl- simplified yeah, way. Exactly. I was, I was nauseous all the time. I was having acid reflux. I couldn't sleep. Like I had to sleep sitting up. Um, mm. basically like almost sitting straight up because of how bad my acid reflux was all the time. Um, and so I wasn't thinking about any other things that I might be feeling like how I was super tired whenever I would get up or how I would feel really hot all the time. Mm. And my uncle, who's a doctor, he had, he had suggested, he was like, have you ever thought about POTS? Like, does your heart ever race? Or, and he started lift, listing off these other symptoms and I was like, no, not, not really. Like I haven't noticed anything like that. Um, but the next time that we went to, was it the cardiologist? It was, it was Dr. Whitney. It was the GI doctor. Right. She made the same suggestion. Mm -hmm. She was like, I want you to get tested for POTS to figure, to see if, to try and eliminate that. If it's, if it's not what you have, but we're kind of towards the end of options right Mm now. And so I got the testing done for POTS. Um, and it came back, well, came back positive technically, which the way they diagnose POTS is you're laying down and they take your heart rate and your blood pressure and then you stand up. And if your heart rate goes up by 40 beats per minute or more, then that's basically your diagnosis is you have POTS. So what is POTS? It stands for postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And it basically means that the part of your brain that controls automatic responses like breathing, heart rate, blood pressure, there's a a malfunction. Like it doesn't communicate with your Mm. bodily systems properly. And so 
when I stand up, I feel like I'm going to pass out if I stand up too fast because my body is not regulating my heart rate and my blood pressure like it should. And so a lot of people with POTS have heart-related issues um, like fainting, dizziness, really fast heart rate, which is the tachycardia, difficulty exercising. Um, And some people have GI-related issues, which is like stomach issues, nausea, acid reflux, whatnot. Um, I had a little bit of both, mostly GI, and then heart issues as well. But they were compounding each other. So when I couldn't get up, I was already feeling tired, but I couldn't exercise to help with my heart rate. Mm. Um, So that was that was really difficult and basically when I got diagnosed it was they handed me a a plan for like an exercise plan for this is what you're gonna do for the next year or two this is what this is how much you need to exercise every day these are the type of exercises you need to do every day and you'll work your way up to working out 90 to 100 minutes a day and I was like that's that's a lot a lot that's a lot yeah um it started out very simple but I was like this is really intimidating Mm -hmm. to have to work up to this because if you get off for, if you have a bad week, you have to go back and start over. Mm -hmm. And so that was really discouraging for me, especially at first. Um, Did your diet change? How did, did this, did the medicine, did they put you on medicine? They did. They, we tried out, we tried out a lot of different medicines. Um, It took us a long, long time to figure out what medicines actually worked and made a difference because everybody responds to medicines differently, um, especially when you're dealing with GI issues. Um, and so we had tried out some medicines. And for the first, I don't know how many months, a, a while, there wasn't there wasn't much improvement oh, at all. It was It was very, very frustrating. So I got, after I got diagnosed, probably... A month or two after that, I could go, I didn't have to lay on the couch all day, but I would have to rest for several hours at a time. And I, my physical exertion was not what it used to be. Like I was in middle school, I was really good in gym. I was really good at running and other sports. But when I got to that point, my endurance was so it was because you're horrendous. not dealing just with heart issues at this point because right. compounded stuff you're dealing yes. with malnutrition probably yes. dehydration mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. your body has started yes. having a hard time getting the nutrients it needs so right. you just don't need, I can't imagine you having much energy at all right like and it didn't I can help see that being really hard it didn't help too that mentally I saw how my body had changed mm-hmm. since I got since I had gotten sick you know like I felt really pale and I felt like my eyes were sunken in and I had lost a lot of weight and so I just felt very bad about my body and that was there wasn't a lot of motivation for me to try and to try and do things to help me get better even though I knew I wanted to get better it just felt kind of hopeless because I was like I look completely different I feel completely different than how I used to. So yeah. where are you in this situation during this timeline when she's having these feelings, emotions? I'm looking at Kim. Yeah. Sorry. No, <laughs> mom, really where are you? <laughs> it, was, it was really hard because, you know, you, you want to be positive for your child, but at the same time, not dismissive. 
of their feelings because I don't want to paint some, you know, happy, rosy, sunshine and rainbows picture to her when when I know that's not true and that's not going to make her feel better. So it's like this fine line between being positive but also being understanding and listening to her and advocating for her and not taking no from an ans- for an answer from doctors and yeah, office never staff <laughs> and, and whatever. And um, what does it was that mean, really- though, it's taking no? Well, you know, there, so I will say, so. Because clearly Kenny's like, you never did that. No. So what does that mean? What is, that's not do my personality. Tell you no? Well, okay. So I'll, I'll say this. POTS is a form of, not to get into the weeds, POTS is a form of dysautonomia, which means your autonomic nervous system that Kennedy was talking about doesn't function properly. That's like the umbrella term is dysautonomia. And lots of things fall under that umbrella, like her GI issues so you can have multiple things. You can um, not regulate temperature, have sweating issues. There's all kinds of things that your body controls that you don't recognize that it controls that can be messed up if you have dysautonomia. And so for a lot of doctors, when they hear stuff, it's really easy to write off as, oh, it's anxiety. Oh, you're nervous. Oh, it's in your head. Or, or you're depressed or whatever the case or may be. Or even if you label one thing under that umbrella, they may say it's that. Exactly. Versus it could be 10 things under that umbrella. Right. Exactly. All at the, the same time. The average diagnosis time for dysautonomia is five years. A minimum oh. of five years. Yes. That's incredible. Five yes. years. It's, wow. Yeah. It's and, a long time. And thankfully, her pediatrician, her GI doctor, and her cardiologist, we, we didn't have trouble with. But it was a lot of, okay, I'm in it. they told me to give it this many days. I'm going to call back immediately. Like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on this. Um, and I'm going to get it, get her in there and we're going to figure this out. And they were really great about not writing anything off, especially your cardiologist. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's the one that said five years is the average diagnosis time because you go and you're eliminating, you're eliminating things and people are like, Oh, you're fine. Oh, it's just in your head. All those other things that I was saying before. You get low blood sugar. Yeah. You have low blood pressure, which is like what I was always told. And so you know, then you, it's demoralizing. Right. And so I did not, I did not want that. I wanted to just stay on top of it and do whatever we could do to get an answer because for me, and I really felt like for her, I didn't care what the answer was, if it was bad or good or, you know, anywhere in between, I just wanted an answer so we could have some, some type of path that we could go down to help her or at least you know limit the number of paths instead of not knowing anything Mm -hmm. um be able to whittle some things down and at least know where we were headed regardless of how negative something seemed I just wanted some kind of answer and I felt like she did too just mentally having some kind of some kind of a yes this is what's going on with you felt like a win yes because then you can at least approach doing something about it and I feel like at that point too I kind of I don't know how bad this sounds but I needed something to be mad at like Mm -hmm. I needed something defined to be frustrated with not just oh I don't feel well like if I had a diagnosis at least of some kind then it can be like oh this is specifically what I'm Mm -hmm. mad at that I felt like would help me process the situation a little bit better. And so not having that for however many months was incredibly difficult because it was just kind of like this big undefined mass Mm -hmm. or cloud that surrounded me, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know what it was. And so 
and I like to label things and maybe not compartmentalize them, but put them kind of put them in a box. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't able to do that. And so that was, that was frustrating for me. So how, how long was it from, I'm really sick, you know, three weeks in Mm -hmm. or whatever, Mm -hmm. you can't figure it out to the diagnosis of POTS for you. How long was that time? Six months. About six months. Mm -hmm. So explain how you were feeling at that six month mark before you got the diagnosis and then leaving that day Mm -hmm. with it. So like that must have been a big like, yes. Oh my gosh. Finally moment. Like explain that moment. That's exactly (laughs) how it was going into it. I was like, it's probably just going to be another thing that was eliminated. Like every time I would go in to get tested for something, I'd be like, oh, maybe this is like, even if it's not good, maybe this is the thing that I have that now we can figure out how to work on it. So every time I would come back and it was like, oh, negative, everything looks normal. I would get so frustrated because I was like, I just need some kind of answer. And so when I was going in before the testing for POTS, I was like, oh, like I'm going to manage my expectations. It's probably going to come back normal and we're going to have to move on to the next thing. And so when it came back and it was like, yeah, you, you have POTS. I was like, oh, finally something like, did you have like a physical, I can imagine there's like a uh-huh. physical reaction. Mm-hmm. I cried a lot in the car I'll on the bet. way home. <laughs> she did. Aww. I did. She cried like the whole way home. But it was, it was and like. did you know that day they did the test and then you left yes. knowing that day. So you didn't yes. have to wait for results. Right. I, like as soon as they saw that my heart rate had gone up that much and that my blood pressure had dropped. So when what I was your heart up? rate when you were resting? So it was a resting heart rate. Like, Do you remember? It was like 86. I, I was, I was laying down. I, f- I feel like it was something like 86. And then when I stood up, it was like 140. Oh. Mm-hmm. It, it and way so you jumped. didn't even have to do any kind of movement or exercise to get to 140. Right. It went it was from just, 80 to 140. It was the action of up. me standing up. And wow. then my blood pressure dropped. I don't remember how much, okay, but a so lot. Heart rate went up. Your blood pressure went mm-hmm. down. Right. Which is which why is, people pass out yeah, if they stand up sure. too quickly. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you born with this? So, so I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of undefined. It's, undefined. <laughs> it's interesting because um, her cardiologist asked me a lot of questions and, um, you know, about like, well, have you ever had this happen? Have you, you know, has this ever happened in your family? And, and it definitely has, but it was always, we were always told, oh, you have low blood pressure or low blood sugar or whatever. And that seemed fine. It was manageable. Yeah. Um, we Nothing like her symptoms. Um, more more of the common like oh yeah. I, I did something too quickly I'm gonna pass out um and there's not like a like it's not technically hereditary but it tends to run in families mm-hmm. but you know it's there's a whole lot of things can something mm-hmm. trigger it you know if you if you've been sick something can trigger Cause it viruses we're finding trigger a lot of this type right. of stuff right yes. right and, and so they did of- test her for a lot of viruses mm-hmm. to see if something was dormant and mm-hmm. right and had triggered it and so. a lot of times with pots a lot of people so 90 percent, if i remember correctly 90 percent of patients are women and mm. a lot of times people see onset of symptoms right around puberty and no. that's how old go. i was and a lot of women will sometimes develop it after they have a baby anything where there's hormonal like a, a, a big mm-hmm. hormonal change or something to kind of trigger the symptoms that's when people start developing issues and start noticing different symptoms right wow Mm -hmm. i would love to know take me from like oh my gosh this is horrible we can't figure this out to to where you start going 
I can live life again. Right. This is better. Yes. Like, what does that look like? So after I got my diagnosis, it was kind of a mixture of emotions. It was like I had something that I could, I felt like I could really attack at that point. And it was like, okay, now we can have a plan for how to deal with this. At the same time, that plan looked like, it looked like it was going to be years, like years of not cures, but finding ways to deal with it and cope with the symptoms Mm -hmm. and lots of trial and error in terms of medicine. Like one of the first things that they recommend is that you drink a lot of water and then you eat a lot of salt. So that helps with your blood flow. And it was like, well, if that doesn't work, then we'll try this medicine. And everything that you're trying out, you have to take a couple of months to make sure that it's to see actually see if it's working or not. And so when I sat down and looked at it, I was like, oh my gosh, this could all take years to finally figure out what might actually work. And at that point, that was, I think, midsummer or something Mm -hmm. around that time. And so I was like, I can't even think about going to school five days a week, like Yes, I have more energy than when I started, but I am still nowhere, I'm still nowhere near where I once was. And so we had started looking at other options and we finally decided that we were going to try homeschooling so I could stay at home and really try and figure out what stuff worked best for me and treating my symptoms. And so I started a program in that fall called classical conversations. Mm -hmm. And so technically it's homeschooling, but I meet with a small class one day a week. And that was really good for me because I was like, I don't want to be alone all the time. I, I want to be able to see people. And so this was a good way for me to still socialize for one day of the week, but I didn't have to exert myself so much every single day of every week. Um, and so I started that in the fall and that was super, super, super helpful for me. And I formed a really good community there. And so I just, I really appreciate starting that program because that was really what I needed to kind of be like, okay, like now there's at least some stability where I'm not worrying about, oh, I'm going to have to make up all this extra work or I'm going to have to make this work. It, it was just something that I could reasonably do that wouldn't take such a huge toll on my body so you have you're talking about this in a very mature (laughs) older kid way how did which it's amazing to listen to you um how did how did the conversation go with your eighth grade self and mom and dad with that like how did how did that go with figuring out school and balance and everything I actually I don't remember like us having a specific conversation I remember us talking about like hey, homeschooling probably seems like the only option right about now. And I was just like, I just want to be, I just want to be doing school again. So you just told mom and dad, hey, I want to do school again or something. Yes. But you guys then, Kim, are in agreement like five days a week is too much. Yeah, we we talked about it, you know, midsummer because I knew we had to make some sort of decision about what to do in the fall. So especially once we had a diagnosis and knew, okay, at least we're on this track of trying to figure this out I knew we had to have a game plan for school there's she was well aware that she couldn't do five days of school we definitely agreed there was just no way that she could do that Um, but that left you know either doing like university model where it was two days a week um, which we felt like could potentially be an option or homeschool and you know homeschool really 
turned out to be the best option for her. And we, I mean, we just had very candid conversations about it. She's, she talks to us really easily. Um, and we were really open and, you know, talked about pros and cons of different things and what she was, you know, actually able to do versus what she had as a goal to be able to work towards. And, you know, we just tried to figure out what might be best. And we basically decided, okay, we're going to try this for a year. And if it's, if it doesn't work, then great, we'll switch it up. Cause we'll you're not married else. to anything, right? Right. Right. Can, right. Yeah, no big deal. Is... And if you like it, then we'll stick with it, but we'll just commit to it for now. And then we'll just see what happens. So how are you feeling at this point? Like we talked to Kennedy about her feelings, like you as a mom, you're coming out with the POTS diagnosis already. Mm-hmm. What was that like for you? I was just glad to have some kind of diagnosis. Were you crying in the car on the way home too? I, w- I wasn't, but I... Are you a crier? Inside? Are you crying? I'm a by myself crier. Uh-huh. You got to go behind the door and then uh-huh. all of a sudden the dam breaks. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Be, be surprised by mm-hmm. that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I was, I mean, honestly, I was, I was happy yeah. because we had something and her doctor was so positive and was very reassuring. And I mean, we, we were in there with her for like two two to two and a half hours I thought it was almost three I mean she didn't (laughs) rush us out she was like give me all your questions let's talk about all the things I mean it was very enlightening and it was really positive so it was it was great I mean and and at least then we had a goal of like okay now we're gonna just try to see what we can do to you know alleviate some of her symptoms and support her the best that we can and and so we had a you know, a, a new goal, I guess. Because you had to be flexible too. As totally. mama, you have to learn how to listen to my kid, <laughs> yes. get that I can't force this into a box I make for us. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's a good lesson learned for a lot of mamas that maybe there's something they're hearing. They're like, yeah, my kid this or my kid that. Mm-hmm. You can, there's lots of different opportunities now to adjust, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have there to are. fit into one life. There are, there's so many. And I'm I like to, you know, assess a situation, figure out a solution, make a plan, you know, or multiple, and then like go with it. That's my personality. So it was a really, uh, it was a good exercise for me to, (laughs) um, like to remember you don't have control over any of this and you have to roll with it and, you know, be able to just in the, you know, in the midst of things, problem solve and be really flexible. And then, the you know our other two kids had to be flexible with things we we all just had to be and you know, you just kind of go with it it was yeah. a really it was a it was a challenge mm-hmm. it was <laughs> how it was, was your, challenging for my personality how was kind of your faith walk during all of this you know it it's interesting because you said you you wanted something to be mad at so kennedy said she yeah, wanted kennedy something said, yeah. she she went, pointing sorry, to kennedy yeah. <laughs> kennedy said she wanted something to be mad at and i think that makes so much sense because i wanted something to be mad at i wanted yeah. i wanted something to destroy and there was nobody to be mad at and you know at the same time i kept thinking but something good will come of this i just I don't know what it is. It something good will come of this, but I wanted something to be mad at, mm-hmm. and it was really hard. Mm, yeah, yeah, mm. I can totally see that. Oh, yeah. you're gonna need a Kleenex. <laughs> you're not behind, behind the door. The door. <laughs> Go behind the door. Um, what about you? What about your faith? Your yeah. your time with the Lord during all of this. So when to go back a little bit, I was baptized in third grade. Um, And my faith walk from there, like I had accepted Jesus, but I didn't have a truly personal relationship with God. It was more surface level because I Mm -hmm. feel like I didn't 
grasp like the depths of what a relationship with him meant was which is developmentally appropriate for a child yes yes (laughs) good disclaimer i recognize that now and so by the time i got to middle school it was kind of like i didn't really have a relationship with god it was just kind of like he was there i acknowledged him and that was about where the line was and then when i got sick and i was just angry and bitter at my situation because I was like all I wanted to do was to be a normal teenager and have a normal teenager experience and now it's taken away from me and I realized how understandable but also immature that sounds right now <laughs> but also developmentally it. appropriate yeah. for a middle schooler <laughs> yeah. exactly. I, I, yeah. right. I don't think I think now you're looking as your mature self yes at maturing I would say we are all mm-hmm. but and you're looking back and saying right. oh well, well you thought that way because you were what 13 yes yeah so and there you go. so as I as the months went on and I realized that I couldn't depend on my body to function on the most basic level I realized that I had to put my trust somewhere else because I couldn't even I couldn't even depend on myself and that was a really difficult lesson for me to learn because like all my life I had been like you know what we're just gonna rally and I'm going to be fine and I'm just going to pull it together and, and I can, you know, I can trust myself. And then at that point I was like, no, 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 I, re- I really can't. Um, and so I started to pray at that point and I started to really read my Bible because I was like, I just need, I need something mm-hmm. to hold on to because I feel like I'm drowning right now, especially after I got my diagnosis where it was like super, the, the future looked really daunting and really like super scary to me at that point um, because I didn't know what was going to happen and so that is really the point where my faith and my relationship with God truly started to develop because I realized that I could depend on him always even if I didn't always get what I wanted or what I felt like I needed I knew that I could always trust in him to do what was best for me and so I really started to invest in my relationship with him and really in my prayer life instead of just ranting and complaining which was good for me in the moment because I needed to vent and talk about it with somebody because of my frustration then I started to pray for like please help me listen Mm -hmm. show me what you're wanting to show like what you want me to see in this situation help me learn what you want me to learn from this incredibly difficult situation and just give me what I need to get through this Mm. and so that was really really good for me in that time because there were a lot of unknowns but I knew that I could depend on God to always be there for me one and to always give me what I needed which was honestly really what I needed in that time when I especially when I couldn't get answers from doctors I just needed Mm. that comfort in that time that everything was eventually going to be okay Mm. So did you find that your mental and emotional health kind of changed? Yes. When that focus changed from mm-hmm. the anger? Yes. And then how did that, how was that different for you? How was that, how did your mental health and change along with your spiritual health? I was like, obviously when I first got sick, I was, like I said, I was really bitter and I was just angry. I was like, why does this have to happen to me? I felt like I was being punished for something yeah, Absolutely. because I was like, I know everybody sins, but I was like, what specifically did I do yeah. to deserve this? Right. To deserve like having this all being taken away from me. And so that was 
really the part that I was angry about in the beginning. But then like as I developed in my relationship with the Lord, then I started to see it not as something that was being taken away from me, but there were other opportunities where since I couldn't go to school five days a week and since I started homeschooling, I could meet with a small group of people who all believed in Christ and who could encourage me in my walk with him instead of just going to public school. And I'm not saying that public school is bad at all. There are your brothers are there right now. Right. Right. (laughs) Just, just to clarify, I think public school is great. (laughs) Um, but it was really good for me in that stage of my faith to be surrounded by believers who could really encourage me like, Hey, I know what you're going through is really, really difficult, but we're here for you. We'll Mm -hmm. pray for you. How can we help you in this time? And that was really, what I, it was, I really, really needed that. That's good. Now are all your meds good? Are you good now? How's your health now? So my health now is pretty good. I still do have some symptoms, but it is so, so much better than I was. I, going from not being able to get up off the couch all day to now working outside at a nursery where in the summer I am out in the sun for four hours a day standing the entire time is just like it still blows my mind that that my body can do that now and now I'm like I when I got to the the first time that I was able to run a mile again without stopping I was so so excited because I was like this is like my body I can see my body strengthening and so like every time I um, I put on weight. I'm like, yes, like I feel so good about that. Like my, my body is getting back to where it was. Mm. And so just what year mark are you at now? This is how many years after? Um, I had five five year anniversary in January. So, and you were saying it would take a few years. So do you feel like it really has taken that long to get your strength back? It's Mm -hmm. taken like four or five years. I, I would definitely agree with that. There within the past, probably year and a half I feel like my strength has really kicked off and I've been I've Mm -hmm. been able to do a lot more than I thought I would like over the summer um, last summer I went on my first mission trip and I went to Zambia and didn't your dad go with you yes he went with me Mm -hmm. and when they had announced the year before in October where they were going where we were going for mission trips I was like I felt called to go on a mission trip but I was like you know, I don't know where God wants me to go yet. And then they said Zambia. And I was like, Lord, that's really far away. Like, are you sure you want me to go? And he's like, yes, I want you to go. And so that was really good for my faith because I really had to trust in him. I was like, I don't know what my symptoms are going to be like when I'm having to fly 21 hours to another country. I had never been outside the country. I had only flown three times. Like that was a very very big jump for me but it god really used that mission trip to show me like look this is what your body can do now like Mm -hmm. you don't you don't have to be so afraid Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. and plan everything out like you can just just trust in me a little bit and I'll get you where you need to go part of the trauma of experience right yes is is being nervous about the unknowns the environment you're walking into right and everything because you're not being so prepared yeah being afraid of the symptoms popping up again Mm -hmm. so are you you mentioned kind of all the things you have to do you had to do for healing do you still have to do all that you have to make sure you exercise often you have to eat certain foods or what 
so I I do still have to exercise pretty often. I I notice that I feel better the more I exercise, and it's just also very empowering for me to see how much my body can do now. Um, I still have to take several medications, and I have to stay on top of that. Um, I have to I have to get a lot more sleep than the average teenager, so um, which is a lot. So how much sleep do you have to get? Um, I feel like you need more consistent sleep instead yes. of being able to, you know, stay up all weekend and then maybe make uh, up for it and sleep in. She can't mm-hmm. do that. She right. does better on a schedule, but mm-hmm. you're, you're practical and you know. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I go to bed early cause I, I have to wake mm-hmm. up early for work. And so my, what's a, early, um, I go upstairs to go to bed around nine and then do that that's great that's that's what we that's what we all should be doing if we're honest (laughs) I I wake up early in the morning I I wake up before 6 30 yeah a little before 6 30 and so I noticed that the more consistent I am with my sleep schedule um the better my body does Mm -hmm. it's just so it's just like things that I've picked up on where I notice my body does better in certain types of situations Mm -hmm. and so I have to continue doing this to stay my best at my best Kim, That's do you have awesome. any last thoughts or anything? I have um, some lightning round questions for your daughter, but do you have any thoughts? No, I just, you know, I think that this whole experience, I mean, would I have picked it? No. I, I mean, if I'm being honest, no. Would I have picked it for my child? No, absolutely not. But at the same time, like, there's so many things that have come from it that I couldn't have dreamed of. Mm-hmm. And without having the challenge, they they wouldn't be there. I mean, like... I just, I, there's so many things that I couldn't have imagined. And I knew at the time, I mean, I felt really confident at the time that, that God had it. You know, I, I wasn't mad at God. I wasn't like questioning anything except for maybe what the purpose was. But I was very, I felt very confident in that the whole time. But now looking back and seeing that it's so amazing, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. Would I have wished it? No. Mm-mm. But at the same time, yeah, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, you're an incredible young lady. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So we've loved talking to you, and I've loved every time you share your testimony and you share that. I, I'm always struck by how you talk about your faith and your walk with the Lord and how much releasing just the anger and the bitterness and yes. what that meant mm-hmm. to deepen your walk and how much time you spent with the Lord to do that. Because we forget you can't love something you don't know. Yes. So you had to learn, you love, you learned how to love the Lord mm-hmm. and spend time with the Lord and trust the Lord in a way mm-hmm. that taught you how to love. Mm-hmm. Right. And so your bitterness kind of at that point gets released, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, like, yes. event, you're like David, you know, he gave me a lot I mean, of time to learn. Yeah. Like <laughs> I just, I, I love your, how you share your story, not just that you have your story story, but how you share it and the heart behind it. Thank you. It's just incredible and sweet and mature and um, it's impressive. And so now you're Thank about you. to go out to the world and mm-hmm. have opportunities to share that even more. Mm-hmm. You're going to go to A&M and Yes. Spread your wings a bit, which, by the way, your aunt, I think, may be even more sad than your mom that you're leaving. <laughs> but she's it's very a tie. sad. Yeah, the she's whole family. It's a tie. You know, but obviously y'all are super close. So anyway, I just wanted to say that. And thank before you start the lightning round. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Well, and, and you and said, too. Sorry, I realized you, there's one thing that you usually say that you didn't say mm-hmm. this time. And that's that you said that, like, without this, you know, it's given you the ability to be 
so much more compassionate to empathize with people on like a people. whole new level it's crazy mm-hmm. it's like oh even i if can I, see that even yeah. if i don't sure. understand exactly what someone's going through i can understand being at the lowest point of your life and being like mm-hmm. where do i go from here and so that yeah. like like you said as much as i'm not like mm, you know what i'm really i wouldn't have wished for this <laughs> exactly i don't regret it one bit no me neither which i never thought i would say that but looking back well i'm still in the situation somewhat but for the most part looking back on it i'm like you know what it was it was worth it to get because you have a level of empathy now you didn't but you appreciate having that right like it's opened up all these Mm -hmm. opportunities to for compassion like you're saying for other people and i like that you're saying you like that Mm -hmm. and so yes Mm -hmm. i think you have to want that. Yes. You have to want that heart to be opened and mm-hmm. appreciate it to get what you've gotten out of your experience. Right. And now so. I actually have a relationship with the Lord. Like, who knows? If I hadn't gotten sick, would I actually have a relationship with him? I don't know. You don't know. But right? I really... this is the life God gave you. <laughs> yes. And so I, it was like a really good kind of restart for me to like help me refocus my attention on him. Hmm. So I am very thankful for it. That's sweet. That is sweet. Super That's sweet. good. I don't know. How do you end on that? How do you top that? I'm a, she said it. I'm done. I'm just going to ask the questions yeah. now. She did exactly. a very good job. Um, what is the last show? That, we ask these questions to everybody that comes. Okay. Um, just to get to know you in a different way. Okay. Super easy. End on a fun light note after yes. the heavy. Okay. What is the last show that you binge watched and loved? Um, Ted Lasso. Oh yeah! So you I started would... season three. Yes, I watched. Are you it so mad it. that it's just one episode at a time? Yes. I know. Season two, they didn't do it. it so we fills waited me with till rage. Yes, we wait till June, <laughs> and then binge it, and then me and the kids will binge it. I do that a lot I know. when I know that there's going to be something that I want to watch yes. all the way through. I'll wait mm-hmm. for it because people now are used to like the Netflix model, right? Where mm-hmm. you yes. just dump all eight episodes mm-hmm. and you can just go binge them all, and they don't right. have to wait anymore. Right. Yes. So it's mean. Kim, what's your last show that you binge watched and loved? Um, well, it's not binging cause I, well, I did save a few episodes and watch, but shrinking. Oh, so same, same thing. It's, I mean, it's on Apple. <laughs> I almost started the other day and then Gentry sat next to me really, and I'm like, I can't watch really that like together. A, it's not really a church <laughs> show. Uh-uh. No, so. I want to watch. I heard it's fabulous. Sorry that that's my answer, but it is. It's not about church show. <laughs> but I did. I saved, I saved up like three episodes so I could watch, watch them back to back. Yeah. Okay, let's start that this week. <laughs> what is something that people often get wrong about you, Kennedy? Um, people think I'm older than I am, or they think I go to public school. One of the I will tell you one of the best compliments someone can get is you don't act like you're homeschooled. I'm telling you, everyone who's homeschooled <laughs> will say the same thing. The moment someone says, oh, you don't act like you're homeschooled, makes my day, <laughs> makes my week. That's awesome. Do you, go, do you feel that you have to explain I wasn't homeschooled yes. until? Yes. Do you have to give the background of that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I used to be normal. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but... Kim, what oh, about you? Funny. What is something that people often get wrong about you? Um, I've gotten told more times than I can count that, like, oh, I really thought you were going to be so mean, which <laughs> is, like, what? such a weird backhanded compliment. Like, they mean it well, but I'm like, man. But I also know my face, and I know I'm, um, like. Do you have RBF? Yeah, kind of. And also when I'm outside, 
it's hard. Like I have to squint. My my kids make fun of me that I. You, it's a it's a game we play. Like, are my eyes closed in a picture, or is it just my eyes? Like, it they just, look the same. It is. It looks the same. And so sometimes I'll be outside. Like people think you're giving with them sunglasses the evil eye. and they mm-hmm. think yeah like um they think that I'm giving a face but um I'm not Mm-mm. it's just it's you. just face which they do say in shrinking the guy will say like it's just face it's because just of the face. face yeah so a lot of times I've gotten that where it's like oh I thought people you think you're be meaner so than rude. you really yeah. are I mean, know. not that I can't be. I totally can be. But, <laughs> but you don't want me to be. Yeah. So back it's, off. Yeah. It's, Just it's, interrupt it's, people's conversations in the grocery store. <laughs> and it's all good. I'll start doing it. <laughs> That's good. Okay. What is your biggest pet peeve? Um, ooh, people getting really close to me when they talk. I like personal space. <gasps> A close talker. Like oh, when they're like yeah. in my face, I'm like, ma'am, please back up. Like I, I can't. I, I can't. It it drives me crazy. <laughs> it's not that I don't like being close to people, but when I'm talking to them, I, I like a, just a little bit, just a little bit of and space. And the time you had to spend on your own, I'm sure even made that even more so. Yes. You're like, I like talking to you, but mm-hmm. you don't have to be like right Yes, no, exactly. I get, that. I get that. What about you, Kim? I don't like when people come up behind me and like grab me on the shoulder. Oh my which gosh. Kennedy Same. hates that too, but I, I don't, I don't like it. Don't unknowingly touch me. I Mm. it's mm-mm. all these okay. pet peeves people come up with that <laughs> yeah. i just had no idea they were things neither did i so if somebody comes up and tap you on the back is not a good thing that, you want them to come all the way around the front it, and no, then be like hey you don't that, want to be surprised that that doesn't bother me that doesn't bother me as much but don't come behind me and like like gra- like don't grab me from behind. yeah like, like man grab mm-hmm. or something yeah, yeah yes. don't, don't that do that freaks me out and someone's gonna get slapped you might get like on accident okay yeah it drives me crazy that's interesting okay the noisy narrative is about cutting through the noise and getting to the heart of the matter what is your narrative right now i mean i'd say i'm pretty busy right now busy narrative yes yes trying to do senior year school for this senior year and school or getting stuff ready for school this fall yeah that fits it's like living two lives at once kind of right now (laughs) that's a good way to explain it um i'd say maybe soaking it all in Mm. it's the end of school it's springtime Mm -hmm. which is my favorite she's finishing up senior year and getting ready to go to a&m which i'm super excited about but it's the last for her and I don't know, just a lot of a lot of good stuff, a lot of changes and a lot of new stuff. So just kind of soaking it all in. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Last question. You are in heaven when you're at, you're looking down at your funeral. Mm-hmm. What do you hope people say about you? You can't say she was a good and faithful servant or that you love Jesus. Because we know that about you that. already. It has to be something <laughs> unique to you guys. Okay. Um well, a couple of things. I hope people say that I was a great dancer. Oh. Um, <laughs> I hope. Um, and I hope people saw how much I cared about them. That I that I want everyone to feel welcome and loved. That's good. Sweet. Top that. Oh. Top that, Miss yeah. Kim. <laughs> Mic drop. I, what do, seriously, what what do I want people to say about me? Mm-hmm. That you weren't mean, even though you're wearing sunglasses. Say, can you edit? Can you edit this part <laughs> out? That I wasn't, in fact, mean. Um, oh my gosh, this is actually really hard. Mm-hmm. I think that I, w- I think that I was loving. I mean, because the other things are obvious answers that you know you think 
that you would naturally say like oh that I loved God and mm-hmm. all that but then she I, had a smile that lit up the room <laughs> <laughs> yeah which that, is true that that I that I was loving mm-hmm. you know I mean I'm an I'm an introvert but I like people mm-hmm. yeah, you know you do. and I think that would be important to me mm-hmm. yeah. good answer you are loving, by the way. We'll say yes, on this side of your funeral too. Well, I'm not your family, <laughs> so you're not, you're always loving to me. There you go. Now your sisters and your nieces and nephews might be different. And All Philip, right. So. Well, great conversation for today. Thank you both for coming. Mm-hmm. Thank, Thank you for you, having Kim. us. Thank, Thank you, Kennedy. Look forward to it. Looking forward to hearing how A&M goes. So exciting um, and everything. But thanks so much for finally coming to talk to us we've been trying to work this in for a while so we were excited <laughs> to talk to you guys so anyway that's it from noisy narratives that's it from us this week everybody until next week we'll talk to you later bye life can be amazing.